Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's start the countdown. For seven decades, 25 movies, six actors, James Bond is one of the most successful franchises in movie history. With the mix of glamour, girls, humour, intrigue, espionage, Bond is the spy we love. Do you expect us to talk? Yes, Mr. Bond, of course. This is a podcast. Here is Odd Job Neil with 10 Bond facts for all of our eyes and ears only. Thank you very much, Pav. So the name James Bond was actually taken from a bird-watching book. Ian Fleming was in search of a name as mundane as possible when he came across a bird book and named it after the ornithologist Dr. James Bond. <laughs> the corkscrew jump featured in The Man with the Golden Gun was performed in just one take and was the first stunt ever calculated by computer modelling. Pierce Brosnan was the deadliest Bond in GoldenEye alone. He ended up he ended 47 lives. In contrast, Roger Moore only does away with one person in The Man with the Golden Gun, the film with the lowest Bond kill, kill count overall. During the film of Tomorrow Never Dies, more than 15 BMW 750s were destroyed. In Casino Royale, the seven full barrel rolls completed by Aston Martin DBS set a new world record for the most barrel rolls assisted by a cannon. Aston Martin also reportedly has a deal with Daniel Craig, allowing him to have any of its cars he wants straight from the factory for the rest of his life. Sorry, I'm a bit premature then. Unlike, right. <laughs> unlike Bond, of course. In the novels, James Bond became a 007 at 38. Out of the various actors that have played him, played the role, Daniel Craig is the only one to have earned his double O status at the same age. At 106 minutes, Quantum of Solace is the shortest James Bond movie to date. And at 163 minutes, No Time to Die is the longest Bond film to date. Not only has Hollywood rewarded Daniel Craig handsomely for his role as James Bond, he has now got the right to take other cars from the from the series. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
And Sean Connery started going bald at the age of 21, so he had to wear a toupee in all of his films. Wow. Bless him. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's all about Bond, James Bond, this week. And uh, we couldn't be uh, joined by people more special for this than the one and only uh, hosts of Spy Hard Podcast. It's Scott and Cam. Hello, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having us here. I mean, I'm sure you tried everyone else first and then came to us, but I'm, I'm glad we could step up. Well, to be honest, you were our 007th choice. So how oh. about that? <laughs> I appreciate that Ian Fleming was looking for the most boring name ever. And yet my name, Cam Smith, somehow skated by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should I mean, write some more bird books. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. My name's Smith, Cam Smith. I mean, it's got a ring to it. I mean, it... Yeah. I mean the villain is snoozing halfway through that line <laughs> delivery. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, obviously, you guys do a spy podcast. Um, I listened to your review of the No Time to Die. Um, are you Bond fans? Is that why you wanted to do a spy podcast, or is it the other way around? Who's who's this James Bond you keep talking about? <laughs> uh, the, the, gen <clears throat> the genesis of Spy Hards is basically uh, Cam is more the diehard James Bond fan than I am hands up to it uh and basically we were looking at a, a topic to cover we were going to do a podcast about something and originally we thought james bond but then we realized there's a lot of other good ones out there that do it much better than we could so we thought hey let's find our own niche and we decided to, to tackle all spy movies which actually gives us a lot more to deal with mm. yeah i mean we get to do stuff like james bond or mission impossible born but even like weird, obscure things like we did like the house on 92nd Street, like a weird 1940s docudrama. We've done the, we're doing the Spy Kids movies right now, all sorts of stuff. It allows us to hop around, have fun and tackle weird movies that maybe we would have just never seen in any other walk of life. Like we have one coming up, Operation Crossbow, World War II film that has at least really no reputation in North America. But revisiting it or visiting it for the first time for us was fascinating. So, mm. yeah. But we should say, yeah, Bond was the cornerstone for me, especially because it has been a lifelong obsession since I was about, you know, 11, 10 years old, somewhere in there. Right. I'll okay. ask the impossible question then that you probably get asked loads. What's your mm. favorite spy movie? Oh, boy. I mean, the classy answer is to say North by Northwest, right? Like you say it and everyone mm. goes, oh, obviously, clearly. Um, and it's definitely up there with... It's tough when you start factoring in Bond, though, for me, because, you know, you'll look at a movie like Goldfinger and the influence that it, you know, obviously has across pop culture is so important. It's so entertaining. So, like, a lot of the Bond stuff really does stand up alongside it. So, for me, it really does, honestly, quite frankly, just fall between Bond and Hitchcock stuff. Okay. Uh, Scott? I, I would also usually jump to North by Northwest just to seem like uh, I'm a bit up myself. I'm not going to choose a bomb film. I'm going to go for Alfred Hitchcock. But I'll tell you a little secret. I will put on True Lies a lot. I love that. That is film. a great yeah. movie. That is a great movie. It really is. I mean, underrated. It's not even got a yeah. 4K Blu ray at this point. It, it's sat in a, it, there's a dodgy Blu ray you can get. Otherwise, it's just DVDs. It really needs a 4K release, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, mine's mine is where you got the name from your podcast is Spy Hard with Leslie Nielsen. That's my favorite um, spy movie without a shadow of a doubt. We haven't um, even covered that one yet. We're actually saving not? it. 
No, we're saving uh, it for a special occasion. Maybe our hundredth episode. We'll, we'll we'll do spy hards doing spy hards. That's a great idea. Neil, what's your favourite then? Oh, I don't know. Um, well, I probably would have said North by Northwest is that, but Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, I think is absolutely got to be up there somewhere. I think that's nigh on a, a perfect movie. I don't know. It's it's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah, it I really mean, we, we we shouldn't go into it too much because that could be another top ten. Is the top ten spy mm. movies, which we can have these guys back, obviously, because they're the experts. Um, I will say, I'll put my my cards on the table right now. Is I'm not a massive Bond fan. I mean, I, I like the Bond movies, um, but if you put it like same as like Star Wars or anything like that, I mean, it's just not the same for me. I enjoy. I, I went and saw No Time to Die and sort of enjoyed it, but. The whole sort of folklore of it and the the backstories and things like that. I, there are some of the the, the the films that probably should be in my top ten that I just haven't seen for years and years. So I, it's ones that you think, well, that should be in the top ten because of the folklore behind the movie, if you like. Um, but we have uh, four top tens to get through. We have a shit ton of honourable mentions that uh, thank you for putting it up on asking for people's top 10. So we've got a load to get through on that as well. So we will crack on. Scott, what is your number 10 James Bond movie? Well, this is where I start and it's controversial because it is my only entry for Mr. Roger Moore. And that is for your eyes only. Oh, okay. I'm not a, I'm not a Roger Moore hard. Uh, I was a Pierce Brosnan baby, and I like my somewhat more serious Bonds, the Sean Connerys, the Pierce Brosnans, although Pierce Brosnan's hardly serious and die another day, <laughs> um, and, and maybe more Daniel Craig. I find Roger Moore uh, kind of a tough watch, personally. Okay. I think this is going to be an age thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think, cause I, think, I, think uh, I think myself and Neil might be slightly older than you guys. And I got a funny feeling that that might that might show in our top tens, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, if what you just said there, Scott. So, uh, Cam, what's your number ten? Well, my number ten is a Roger Moore film as well. Uh, the first Roger Moore movie I ever saw was View to a Kill. That was the first Bond movie I ever saw, and so that really kicked off my love of the franchise. Was watching the classic Moore era films, and one that I just keep coming back to time and time again: Octopussy. I think any Bond list. There's going to be some we're going to name that everyone listening goes, obviously. But yeah. the journey of Bond isn't just the serious espionage capers that we see so represented on screen in the Daniel Craig era. Once upon a time, Bond was crazy. You went to the movies to see loony things happen. And Octopussy is, I think, my favorite loony Roger Moore film where it's like almost like your dad made the movie. Because it's so square. It's got like an AM radio theme song that I love. The villains aren't really scary. Bond's doing things that aren't that cool, like dressing up as a clown or impersonating Tarzan. But the whole thing is just so much fun, so colorful, incredible locations, some great action sequences. So it kind of walks that great line between <laughs> dad entertainment and just pure fun. Hmm. Is that the one that the tennis player VJ Armitage appears in? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, really strange. All of a sudden, hey, that's that tennis player. In years since I've seen yeah. Octopus. Is then, that also the one with the big spinning like saw wheel on the chain? It is. Like yeah. all these things you guys are naming are incredibly iconic, and Octopus is a movie that often gets short shrift, but it has something like four incredible villains that are all memorable, including the Saw guy. Action sequences that are super memorable. It's just mm. a ton of fun. Mm. I, need to, I need to go back to that one. Yeah. Uh, Neil, what's your mm. number 10? 
Well, this might be a bit controversial because I don't know many people that like Dalton, but License to Kill, License I think to kill. Was a, that's my number six. A brave Bond movie in in the UK. It was the first ever fifteen rated uh, Bond film. Um, it was a lot more violent than we were used to, and I I think it still stands up today as a brave Bond movie. What about you, Pav? Having it in well, that, number that six. Was, that was um, when they sort of started going into making it more real. Mm. That was after Roger Moore, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. He did so the it two, went from the, the cartoon Roger Moore's cartoony sort of bonds to then this guy that just had a license to kill, and he he didn't. There mm. was no real funny quips or puns. It was just some real sort of tough violence. Like I say, it was a fifteen. Yeah. Um, but I sort of enjoyed that. I don't think I think. Timothy Dalton was one of those ones. And I noticed on our honorable mentions that a lot of people were saying, oh, loving the Dalton love, that a lot of people were putting Dalton's movies up, sort of quite up. And I think he got short shrift, really. He should have had so a few more, should have had a few more outings as Bond, I think. Yeah, he was a good Bond, I thought. Very good. Yeah. yeah. This but, one came very close to my top 10, like very yeah. close. It was a real battle for 10th spot for me. Mm. It's actually my number seven. Oh, right. Okay. Um, it, one thing that always gets thrown around is uh, Timoth- Timothy Dalton walked so Daniel Craig could run. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. that's a that's something should be on a poster. That should. What a, what a <laughs> credit credit to Spy Hards if you want. Yeah. <laughs> what a quote. Great quote. What a quote. Uh, right, my number 10 is probably going to be very controversial. It's uh, Doctor No. Um I haven't seen this film for a long time. Is it on in any of your guys like it is on mine, yeah. It, what number uh, is it on yours, Cam? I have it at number six. Number six. Okay. I have it at number eight. Okay. Um, not for you, Neil. No, no. I, I, the reason being is Doctor I seen No. It. Yeah. The reason <laughs> being is I haven't seen it in such a long time. I'm a bit vague of what happens in it. I need to watch it again. Well, I, I, one of the reasons I put it in is because I looked at my top ten and realised that it was very Sean Connery light. Because um, I can't remember which one was it. You Scott that said that that like no, is it? Oh, I can't remember what it said that Roger Moore ones are hard to watch. I find that with Sean Connery ones, and I think it's hmm. it's it's more the special effects, you know, with the with just the backgrounds in the car rides <laughs> and certain little bits of it, and just like judo chop, and that's the how he like kills someone or incapacitates someone. But I think he's a very cool looking Bond. But I just think some of the stories. Yeah, and I just wanted to put a couple of James uh, of, of uh, Sean Connery ones in there. I don't know. Maybe that's I, pushing out. Maybe that's just I don't know. Well, Doctor knows an interesting one, and I have it. At, you know, number six, as I said, which is pretty high for a lot of Bond fans. Don't regard this one with um, the level of prestige they put on, say, you know, from Russia with Love or Goldfinger, or even Thunderball. Oh right. And I've always really liked um, Doctor No because it just feels like. You know, it's based on the Ian Fleming novel. It's very close to the novel. And it has a little more of that, (laughs) the shoe leather, the Bond walking around the job, living in sort of the locations, going from place to place. It doesn't have the urgency, but you get a lot of the really like mercenary Bond moments, like him sitting there in a hotel room waiting to assassinate someone. So I always... You know, it's one that, look, when I was 12 years old, I did not like Dr. No. I was like, please, God, don't make me watch Dr. No. But as a, you know, rapidly decaying 40-year-old man, there's nothing I like more than sitting down and watching Dr. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Scott, what about you? You got it at number eight. 
I have it at number eight. I mean, maybe it's slightly recency bias. I mean, we covered it on the show last year. and it, But for me, Doctor No is the one that just kicked everything off. And it, every film that followed it takes so much from Doctor No. And also, whenever I walk across a hotel lobby, in my ear, I can hear the Bond theme playing. And that's basically all that happens in Doctor No. Whenever Sean Connery is walking, <laughs> the Bond theme is playing. So I, I like to pretend I'm Bond doing the same thing. <laughs> um, right, Scott, then you're number nine. My number nine is my first Pierce Brosnan entry. Um, it, it probably should be higher up, but this, this list is kind of just where I sit right now. It tends to change every so mm. often. Um, but for me, this is probably my comfort food Bond film that I will go to if I just want to pick me up. Much like Cam will go to Octopussy, I will go to Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay. Um, he was he was one of those guys that seems to me was born to play Bond. But I'll, uh, uh, spoilers, but I haven't got a single Pierce Brosnan movie in my top ten. Wow. Because, yeah, because I and I don't know why. I honestly don't know why. I don't know whether it's because I've watched a few clips of some of his movies now, and it just feels a little bit like he's a little bit smug. And, <laughs> I, and I, I'm, you know, I, the looks on your faces is like you absolute idiot. What are you talking about? But I'm assuming you guys are fans of of Brosnan, yeah. I think I am more than Cam. Just based on, I mean, I was brought into the Bond franchise by the GoldenEye video game. Right, okay. So, so you'll find GoldenEye's on my list and it's a lot higher than Tomorrow Never Dies, just as a spoiler there. But uh, Tomorrow Never Dies is the one I go to for just the pure fun of the Pierce Brosnan era. GoldenEye's a bit more serious. Tomorrow Never Dies is just, it, it's probably the closest to a Roger Moore film he does, apart from maybe Die Another Day. Uh, it's just a fun adventure with the guy who I felt, felt was born to play the role. Right. Yeah. Like for me, those, especially the first two Brosnans were probably the most important Bond movie going experiences I ever had because I was a kid who grew up on the Roger Moore films. And then, you know, I did see the Timothy Daltons, but the first Bond movie I ever saw in a theater was Goldeneye. And so walking out of Goldeneye, so excited to see the next one, Tomorrow Never Dies was a big deal. I remember I even got one of the theater displays for the movie that I hung in my room for several years, several years past that movie's sell-by date in terms of pop culture awareness. But it was just such a fantastic action movie. Didn't quite make my top 10, but I, it's definitely one I revisit a lot more than, say, Die Another Day. <laughs> right, right. I, think I always I felt I Jonathan Price as the villain, though, was a little bit underwhelming. Underwhelming or overwhelming? <laughs> uh, no, it's just like he didn't really under really because he I just didn't feel villainous enough to me. And somebody of Jonathan Price's caliber should have been a lot more utilized. But that's it's, it's really person. hard when the villain you know can't go toe to toe with Bond. Like even mm. Blofeld maybe couldn't go toe to toe, but like he didn't even really have a henchman apart from Stamper. He wasn't that effective of a force. He was more just fun to watch on screen. All that stuff where he's doing the air typing mm. and just saying like delicious. It's like, this is great. I love this. Mm. I like to watch that villain. And this was something I really uh, tapped into when I revisited it for Spy Hards, which is that he is the ultimate impotent villain. Like mm. he is completely out of his depth opposite Bond, opposite all these mercenaries who he's working with. His, his people don't even listen to him. He gives them commands and they don't even respond to him. <laughs> like It's kind of this running gag of everything about this guy is just completely undone by the end. So I think he's actually more of a comedic villain than one of the serious ones we regard like, you know, Blofeld or something. 
He does also get the best, or maybe one of the best, deaths in Bond, which is being fed into a giant shredding machine uh, right before, right uh, preceding when Pierce Brosnan says, give the people what they want, and then just throws him into it. He just gets minced to pieces. (laughs) (laughs) It's just great. It is. I feel like I need to to maybe give Pierce Brosnan's Bond a bit more of a chance again and have a, a, a watch, I think. Yeah, okay. Uh, right, Cam, your number nine. My number nine is Skyfall. This uh, was another, you know, obviously big deal. This was the 50th anniversary Bond film and probably the most beautiful looking Bond movie ever made. Uh, I think you could maybe make an argument with No Time to Die as well. That one looks pretty fantastic. But this one just, I, I, you know, I have other Craigs on the list, so I'm not knocking the previous films, but it was sort of the most Bondian Craig film at this point where I was seeing a lot of the hallmarks of the series that I loved brought into the Craig era, which initially seemed wary about tackling some of the more Bondian tropes, like some of the more over the top stuff. This one really walked the line well, where you had that kind of gritty Craig style, but with like Javier Bardem's villain is an all time great villain. You know, you do a villain list, he's near the top. Mm. And just a number of set pieces that are absolutely incredible. I really find this an incredibly fun movie. And I I did, though, say I I didn't include No Time to Die in my rankings because I'm just not, as a lifelong Bond fan, I'm not comfortable yet committing to where I feel like I can rank it. I still have Mm. to kind of wrap my head around it. But I am uh, kind of jockeying a little bit between how I feel about it in comparison to Skyfall. But they're both fantastic movies. Mm. That's yeah. my number seven, Pav. Uh, that's Skyfall. my number seven as well. The go. only thing I found that stopped me marking Skyfall higher is I thought the um, end mm-hmm. uh, set piece wasn't as strong as the other set pieces. It Agreed. just seemed a bit of a bit of a you know an anticlimax. That's the only thing that led it down for me. But Javier Bardem, I would love to have seen him more on screen as well, a lot more because I just relished his villain. I think he's probably one of the best Bond villains. So Yeah. Now, was it the Albert Finney character, were they saying that it was supposed to have been Sean Connery? Or is, well, that, is, that, is that like just it's, folklore? I, they've never confirmed that, but I've heard that one of the early drafts for Skyfall was that Skyfall was not an ancestral home for Bond. It was like a um, retirement place for spies. So the idea would be like, if you were faced out of the double O, you were going there because you couldn't be let free on the streets, right? Mm -hmm. So you would go to this place called Skyfall. So that's why he's so unsettled by the entire idea of what Skyfall is. And that when he'd go there, Connery would be there because he would have been one of the retired spies. Mm. Now, the truth of this is locked away in the Eon vaults somewhere, but that is kind of the accepted rumor, I guess now. I would. I've always loved that idea that that's that 007, You know, the James Bond is a name that is passed on to the next 007 rather than it. You know, I just think that's a great idea, and then it also means it makes sense that the world's biggest spy can walk into a place and go, oh, "Hello, I'm James Bond," and nobody thinks, "Oh, I've seen him before." That's the you know. Um, has anybody else got Sky Four in their top ten? I do. Five, it's actually number six for me. So one Six. Yeah. Okay. And what's your thoughts on Skyfall then, Scott? I think it just came at quite an important time for me. I think, and also it was an important time for England. It was around the time of the Olympics. It was the 50th anniversary of Bond. The marketing was non-stop. Let's not forget Adele's song is probably mm. one of the best Bond songs we've had Absolutely. in quite some time. I, I, I do like to see the Royale, uh, Chris Cornell's track, but 
since maybe Goldeneye is really it's it's one that's gone beyond because you still hear that song on the radio now. You you don't tend to hear Chris Cornell's "You Know My Name," um, and it's such a, it was such a powerful piece at the time, and the marketing was so strong that it's left an imprint in my mind. I haven't revisited. We haven't done it on the show yet. I haven't gone back and watched it in a while. Maybe it will come down in my rankings if I rewatched it after five years. But right now, I think it sits around the middle. Mm. It's got and a great opening sequence. I feel in mm. Skyfall, one of the one of the best. Uh, Shot. That's it. Absolutely. Uh, Neil, you're number nine. Uh, it, was, it was Brosnan, and it's The World Is Not Enough. Now, this whole um, a special place in my heart for this one, because I was actually working for Motorola when they were filming this, and they used it as the Turkish oil refinery. So I was there watching them film bits of it, and then we had a lovely Q&A. I mean, Pierce Brosnan wasn't there, but we had Sophie Marceau, we had Robert Carlyle, Judy Dench, all came and spoke to all the workers and then we were invited to go and see it for free to, for, for being put out and i have to say i enjoyed it as a movie i think robert Carlyle was pretty good in it sophie Masso is always beautiful to watch um and a great bond girl and yeah it was probably nearly my favorite brosnan nearly <laughs> okay guys wow. i got that on you in your top 10 at all not on my list, but I would say though, you know, Sophia or Sophie Marceau's Electric King is a really underrated villain mm. that I think at the time was somewhat dismissed, and the conversations coming swirling around a lot more these days is how um, vital she was just as a villain that we'd like to see more of in the future. Mm. Mm-hmm. I would completely agree with that. Okay, uh, again, controversially, my number nine probably going to be high in your guys top tens is goldfinger oh that's my number six that's my number three that's your number three okay number four (laughs) um okay um again i mean it's i'm going to use neil's word it's one of the most iconic movies the trouble again is that i haven't seen it for so long and the, tr- and the trouble is as well, I've got so many iconic moments of like Sean Connery moments in my mind. I'm not quite sure which movie they are all in. Mm. So that's the trouble that I've got. I, I know that Goldfinger is the last Connery movie that I watched. Um, and, and I think that's the reason that I put it at number nine. But the other movies that are above that are all movies that I've watched a lot more and a lot more frequently and a lot more recently. So that's not a very good way of saying wow hey great for goldfinger but i know that it's an iconic movie um so take it away guys uh what do you think well i mean dr no sorry not dr no goldfinger is if i say like dr no was the initial blueprint goldfinger is the actual blueprint that is used throughout the rest of history goldfinger is the one they reference they go well we have to do this stuff because they did it in goldfinger uh, and that still is used today as the benchmark. So, I mean, it, it's not my number one, but apart from maybe a couple of mistakes, it is easily one of the best Bond films for me. Mm. And so it's that- one that like nails down the template like perfectly just right away. And it's like really crazy when you rewatch it. It's a movie I compared when we did the episode on that one to Raiders of the Lost Ark where it's so economical, every piece fits together absolutely perfectly. It's just machine tooled to just absolute entertainment perfection. And it just is a race from beginning to end. Everything pops, incredible villains. Pussy Galore is one of the all-time great, you know, Bond girls. And just the locations, Connery's performance, it's all firing on all cylinders. This is, I think, 
when you look at what 60s Bond was, I think there's one on my list that's maybe the ultimate 60s Bond film for better or worse. But Goldfinger represents the very best of what Bond could be in the 60s. Right. So uh, you said that's the movie where the Bond checklist was basically invented. Yeah, like gadgets, girls, quips, uh, bad villain. You know, it's all there in that movie. Mm. Yeah, like the the pre-title sequence where Bond does something really cool. There's a pre-title sequence in From Russia With Love, but it's a little off. It's more of a villain-centric moment, whereas with Goldfinger, you get the side mission that has nothing to do with the larger story and Bond doing cool things with these shocking, positively shocking um, the the way the you know the action climax all ties off the you know villain surprise at the end all these sorts of elements would be carried forward yeah it's also and the also, first one to have a track has an actual I mean the other two Doctor No and From Russia have had songs but Goldfinger was the first one that was really like it got radio play people mm. reference Goldfinger as a song and that's something they used from then on in yeah. and wasn't it for the first appearance of the DB five as well mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain it was yeah. The iconic Aston Martin path that you had the toy about. We spoke about it before. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, I'm terrible yeah. with cars. I got no idea why. They're just, they're just numbers and letters. Uh, did you say it was in your top 10, Neil? Yeah, it was my number six. No, number six. Okay. Um, right. So that was my number nine. Number eight. Uh, Scott, you said Dr. No. That's right. That's right. So, Cam, your number eight. My number eight, I hinted at it just a few minutes ago when I said there's maybe one Bond film that's the ultimate 60s for better and worse. And that is my number eight. That's Thunderball. Well, that's um, number five, Pav. Okay, that's your number okay. five. Scott and I are, I think, very split on Thunderball. And it's a movie, if you look it up, say, on Letterboxd, it's like a lot of people do not like Thunderball. It is, I think, the ultimate <laughs> bask in the world of Bond movie. It is like the um, Lifestyles Bond movie or the Island Time. You're going on vacation with Bond. And he's just going to go from beautiful location to beautiful location. You're going to soak up all the gadgets, all the world building of Bond. It is not on a fast track the way that Goldfinger was. But just some of the stuff in it, you know, I'm a big shark guy. All the shark stuff Mm. works really well for me. Connery is still committed. He hasn't quite gone into sleep mode yet, which will happen very soon. And it has very iconic elements. I don't think Largo is the greatest Bond villain or Domino is the greatest Bond girl, but they're very iconic. And I think stand up very well, just in terms of you understand why they have so much, you know, uh, why they have so much fandom swirling around them. Mm. But to me, this is like, it's become a bit of a trend for me on my birthdays that I will try to fit in a watch of Thunderbolt because it's like, I don't want the fast, exciting Bond movie. I want the one where I can just, sit back and relax in sort of the world of Bond. And so that's Thunderball. Perfectly put. And also, I mean, to me, that was one of the, that was the first Sean Connery I saw as a child. And it, it did excite me as a child, you know, with the, all the things like the jetpack and you say about the toys. Um, yeah. It, it fulfilled everything that it was supposed to do on the tin to me. Um, and they also remade it, didn't they? It never say hmm. never again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was unfortunate, but it also was. we should say it. Fiona Volpe is an incredible villain as well. So she mm. is probably, if you're going to talk about a character introduced in that movie that does stand the test of time really strongly, it's her. I think we need to address the uh, the shock in the room, and that is the, <laughs> the 24 minutes of underwater scenes in Thunderball. 
That just put you to sleep, man. <laughs> it just put you to sleep. Uh, I can't stand by that one, unfortunately. I, I do get the feeling that there's history between you two guys just about that one movie, but just put the looking at your faces. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Neil, you're number eight. Man with the Golden Gun. Um, okay. Yeah, that's, Roger... that's my number two. So you can, you can get the idea of what my top ten is going to be like, <laughs> because that is my number two. Yeah. Um, this is one of my... Uh, it took a while to sort of appreciate it for what it is. Um, and Christopher Lee, I think, you know, with his third nipple was fantastic as the villain. I really do. And, you know, and there's history between Ian Fleming and Christopher Lee, if you look into it and everything. But regardless, it was a fun... I mean, Roger Moore's fighting in it, as leaves a lot to be desired, but we can say that since he did Live and Let Die. But it's just it's a it's a rounded piece isn't it it's a great piece and um the ending the climax and the the hunt on the island you know the game that they play i think it's fantastic it, it ended perfectly that movie what about you pa well the whole thing is i was i was as a kid scared shitless of christopher lee because mm. he was he was dracula so to see him in something else where he wasn't obviously dracula but just looking at him I, there's something about him that made me scared as a kid so he was a perfect villain for this. Again, watching it as a kid, Bond movies were, especially the Roger Moore ones, were more like live cartoons. And mm. when you're a kid, you know, you're seeing all these amazing cars and gadgets and and just this over-the-top action. Um, and then you also had this person that was like somebody that struck the fear into you. So mm. it was a perfect... And I've watched it, and it is cheesy and... You know, it's it's it's. You can tell when the stunt man's in doing Roger Moore's fighting. That, you can you can always tell. Yeah, but I was going to say that doesn't take away. It's got some fantastic car chases, it's, like I mentioned in the facts. It's got yeah. the barrel roll and everything like that. I think some of the stunt work in it is sublime. It yeah. really is good stunt work. And it's just, I just think it's just great fun. It's a great fun movie. I don't think it takes itself particularly seriously. Um, the whole room of mirrors. Uh, near the end uh, is fantastic and the bit at the start with the guy saying whose funeral is it it's yours and then it's the New Orleans is it New Orleans I think that's live and let die oh yeah, shit is it, see, I, see what yeah. I mean see what I mean they all meld into one I'll, I'll talk about live and let die a little bit later isn't on the, isn't the man with the golden gun the one when he or is that I, for your eyes only see even I forget where he picks him up with the helicopter that's for your eyes only <laughs> Oh Christ! I'm getting at it now. It's I'm rage, so pal. I'm so glad you guys are here. Yeah, right, it's the, rage, the room pal. full of mirrors. That's Mount of the Golden Gun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. See, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, let's move on quickly. Um, right. So, I don't, I was, uh, your number eight. eight. My number eight is the Spy Who Loved Me. Um, my number four. My number five. Okay. Wow. We're really uh... okay. <laughs> Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> Spy who loved me. Um, again, I, I, well, look, you're going to know that I'm a Roger Moore fan. So Roger Moore is my favourite Bond. I just, I just love the fact that he is. He's got that glint in his eye. He's got the the perfect way of just the quips. Um, not so much when he got a little bit older. I think it looks a little bit weird when he was like copping off with women, and he looks like sixty, and the women look like twenty five or whatever. <laughs> um, but. It's the car, mainly, for Spy Who Loved Me. Um, as much as I don't know anything about cars, we spoke about it on our um, uh, Movie Vehicles episode. 
there's just something wonderful about that lotus there's just something magical about it and i would have had an hour and a half of him just driving <laughs> on the ground or in the sea in that car so uh that's that's mine uh guys take it away yeah i love this one a lot this was my most go-to roger moore film as a kid you have sharks you've got jaws you've got two great things that go great together <laughs> and it just has incredible action sequences throughout just right from the um, pre-title sequence of the jump off the cliff with the parachute, you know, on the skis, um, all the underwater action. We, you know, Scott and I maybe split on the underwater action of Thunderball, but the underwater action of Spy Who Loved Me is much faster paced and more exciting. It just feels like they often struggle, I think, with Roger Moore's to lock into the excitement of those Connery Bonds. That's why a lot of them are maybe a little more wacky or fun, like, say, like Octopus or Moonraker or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Spy Who Loved Me was the one where they really hit the nail on the head and it walked that perfect balance of what made Moore special, you know, the comedy, the light delivery with the excitement. So there's a reason it's gen generally regarded as his best one. And it's probably got one of the best set pieces at the end of all of the Bond movies to me. The whole yeah. bit with the submarine and the underground layer and all of that. Uh, yeah. I think it's just perfect Bond in that sense. It's got one knock against it for me, which is the villain Stromberg. Not one of the all-timers, but you got Jaws there, so mm. you can kind of look past it. Yeah, I can remember watching whatever film year with Barry Norman when they came from the set of that um, the the big submarine because it was a big massive set wasn't it yeah it was at, the huge. End, at the end i can always remember that in the 70s whenever it was it was the um, first bomb film i saw at the cinema as with the double bill of moonraker when they used to do double bills right. um yeah it's the first one i ever saw at the pictures how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Goodness me. Right, number seven. Um, Scott had license to kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Cam, you're number seven. I have From Russia With Love, which, you know, coming off of Dr. No, they have really nailed down the like Connery bond, sort of the mercenary edge of that bond. And he would become a little more superhero with the following film, Goldfinger. But that mercenary edge is really there. And From Russia With Love, it's a really tight espionage caper, very Hitchcockian. You've got train travel, which is the ultimate Hitchcock trope. And Robert Shaw is an incredible villain. Also, Lada Lenya as Rosa Klebb is so cool and obviously inspired Frau Farbrissena in the Austin Powers films. This one is just... Bond movies are not known for their tight pacing and really, like, economical run times. You know, especially when we're talking about, say, No Time to Die recently, which is almost three hours. Whereas you look at one like From Russia With Love, which is just under two hours... And just moves beginning to end. Everything fits together really well. It's a really fantastic thriller. Mm. It's been a long time. I didn't put it on my list because it's been such a long time since I've seen it. Is Cleb the one that had the knives in her shoes? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for its time. Look at that. How brutal is that? Mm-hmm. Especially for the 60s. But yeah, I do. Uh, starting to come back. I'm going to have to watch all these again. I know. I know. Scott, is that not in your top 10? It's, it's actually my number two. Oh, mm. it's it, for me. Uh, we were saying earlier about favorite spy films. I, I went to Hitchcock initially. This is Bond merging with Hitchcock. I can't really complain, and I really don't like films that go past two hours personally. So it's it's quite it's nice and compact, and it's probably Connery at his best for me. His most panther-like. He's always referred to as some sort of animal. We'll go for panther this time. Um, and that fight in the train with Robert Shaw. It, I think it's still used as showing people, uh, you know, fight choreography and stuff like that. It, it's a great little scene. And also we were referencing North by Northwest earlier, and this movie is heavily influenced by North by Northwest. The entire like, you know, finale with the helicopter mm. is a lot like the crop duster in North by Northwest. Right. And you mentioned, you did mention um, Cam Austin Powers. Is that something that sort of ruined Bond a little bit? In regards, because that's one reason maybe why I can't get in touch with the the Connery Bond because you watch it and you go, oh my god, that's the bit that they took the piss out of in Austin Powers. Does that have any influence on you guys? I think I really enjoyed the Austin Powers films, and it didn't affect my enjoyment of Bond. But I think it forced Bond to readjust what it is. You mm. couldn't do these sorts of megalomaniacal villains the way you had like a Doctor Evil who obviously was a lot like Blofeld in yeah. uh, um, you know, some of the classic Bond films. So it made them, well, ultimately it led to Casino Royale. It led to them taking an entirely different 
approach to what Bond was for a whole generation. So I think if anything, it made them, you know, think outside the box and come up with something cool. I think if, you know, you have a franchise just resting on its laurels for too long and people start lampooning it and it doesn't, you know, change up its game, then it, it doesn't really deserve to continue on. So I think it was just, it probably worked out for the better, honestly. Mm. Okay. So we have, let me see now. So that was the rest of love. Neil, you had Skyfall at number seven. Yep. Uh, Scott, you had Skyfall at number six. Mm-hmm. And Cam had Dr. No at number six. Mm-hmm. Neil had Goldfinger at number six. <laughs> I had License to Kill at number six. So, Scott, you're number five. Well, I have to say goodbye to my favorite Bond at this point. Uh, Golden Eye, I found his weakness. <laughs> <laughs> it's my number three, by the way. Okay. My number four. It, it brought me to the game, I have to say. it's It was the first film we ever covered on Spy Hards, and for good reason. It's probably the one I go to, apart from Tomorrow Never Dies, is a you know, easy to watch Bond film. It has a couple of faults and that's why it's not number one or two for me, but it's easily Pierce Brosnan's best film. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it is such a slick techno thriller. Like uh, it's one that I think I was a little dismissive of in the past, especially like when I was more a teenager, early twenties, I actually gravitated more towards Tomorrow Never Dies because it was that really efficient delivery system for action movie moments. Like it just gave me everything I wanted at that age. But when I revisit Goldeneye now, I'm much more um, awed by just how incredible it is with all of its villains. A lot of Bond movies, you're hoping for that one iconic villain. There's like four that come out mm-hmm. of Goldeneye. It has incredible action set pieces. Martin Campbell directed this one. This was his first and he would come back for Casino Royale and just so confident. Brosnan, I think, really wears the suit well in his first appearance. Just one that it's like, I think it was dismissed somewhat when it came out. I remember a lot of the reviews were like those B-grade reviews or three stars or even a couple C-pluses. They were like, oh yeah, Bond's back. He's doing what he does enjoy it or don't you know that sort of thing whereas i think now we look at goldeneye as maybe the last great burst of what classic bond could be mm. and again great set pieces that we talked about you know from the damn um, bungee jump down to the tank that tank see a uh, whole section i think is fantastic when they're racing through with the tanks it's by far the most accomplished uh, pierce brosnan one i think and yeah, it came it came out with a bang, didn't it? It really did. It changed Bond. That's the one that changed Bond for me. It's also got one of the best Bond girls in the Talia, in the sense that she was one of the first that was actually well written mm. and had her own arc, independent of Bond. Uh, something they've tried to replicate since, um, to varying success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also Xenia on top is and Famke Jansen just like launching herself onto the screen there and. Yeah would you know continue to have a very strong career which wasn't often the case for people that played you know femme fatales and bond movies so and who else wanted to try those thighs to see if they really could crush you (laughs) (laughs) okay so uh cam had number five spy you love me uh neil had number five thunderball my number five is moonraker Mm. um it's a again another cheesy um roger moore i had the james bond action figure you know like the action man figure and I, I got that for christmas that year and i absolutely loved that action figure um all decked in his uh spaceman outfit 
I think it's also because I was mad into Star Wars. So it was another, it was like somebody in space. So you thought, oh my God, this is going to be great. And it's um, got Jaws. Jaws is in it as well, isn't he? I think. If I'm mm-hmm. like, is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Let me get that right. <laughs> um, so it had everything that I like, loved about James Bond in it, but also everything was in space as well. So uh, um, I'm assuming that isn't in anybody else's like higher top of echelons of their top 10, no? It's no. too wacky for me. It's it's too far out. I, but you know how I feel about Roger Moore films. It yeah, does yeah. have my second favorite Bond line of all time, though. Is that the re-entry one? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, love that. I love that. Yeah, you can't. Moonraker is a, a it's a movie that I said like Octopussy is my favorite crazy Roger Moore one. Moonraker was one I always liked the highs of it, but I struggle more with a lot of the slower paced storytelling of it, where it kind of loses me. But we should say Michael Lonsdale as Hugo Drax is mm. top tier Roger Moore villain. So he's yeah. great. Yeah, agree. Uh, right. So for number four, uh, Scott said Goldfinger. Cam said Goldeneye. Uh, Neil said Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, I've gone for On Her Majesty's Secret Service. It's my number two. That's your number two. Um, my number three. Oh, there we go. Look, everything's getting filled in. That's good. Um, I never watched this film for years and years and years because it was always a thing oh george lazenby one and done you know not a very good bond and i must have been bored one day and i sat and watched it and i absolutely loved it it hit me more emotionally than i ever thought a bond movie ever could i thought he was a great bond i didn't think there was anything wrong with him as a bond i loved the little quip about uh, something about the other, the other guy or something there was a quip about the, the, the um but i'll probably get that wrong as well but I just really loved it. It was I don't understand what all the the hate about that movie was. Maybe you guys just can fill a, us in. I don't. It gets a lot of love these days. But I think back mm. in the day, it was just losing Connery and having George Lazenby there. This guy that people just didn't connect with. It financially didn't do the box office that Connery had been doing, and it was kind of and the fact it sort of ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Mm. that was never paid off in any interesting way it kind of made it this weird little curiosity that for decades people just dismissed and in recent years um you know the director steven soderbergh wrote like a whole essay on his website about how this is one of the most inspiring movies to him he revisits it he revisits it all the time when he's about to make a movie just to see what he could do that's interesting and innovative that this movie was doing so it's kind of become a little bit of a critical darling and lazenby's gotten a lot of reappraisal and it's one I think going forward, people will look at Honor Majesties as one of the all-time great Bond films. Mm. And not to mention, it's getting referenced by people like Christopher Nolan. You take Inception; that whole Snow chapter is basically Honor Majesties, really, even with the, mm. the outfits and stuff. And you know, spoiler-ish, but No Time to Die does lean quite heavy on Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And you look at what they're doing with action in this movie, with like the bobsled chase and. It just feels like next level for what Bond was doing. Scott and I recently covered um, You Only Live Twice, which is Connery's fifth entry. And you just see like the action's getting a little more laid back. Connery's not quite as committed as maybe he was, you know, when you're looking at like Dr. No or Goldfinger. And this just feels like such a shot in the arm where you're getting like a 28-year-old Lazenby going in there. And the fist fights are like vicious. He's sliding through the ice, firing a gun. It like it just feels like a much more physical bond. Mm. Plus, you have the whole Diana Rigg love interest story, which mm. is one of the all-time great love stories in Bond. Yeah, 
I mean, I, when I watched it, I I didn't know anything about it apart from obviously the sort of bad press, if you like, or the negative press about the movie. So I don't know. Can you say spoilers for a movie that's like I don't know fifty years old? <laughs> that that actual really shocked me. That whole moment with Diana Rigg just shocked me, and it was yeah, I was just just absolutely loved it. So yeah, that's my number four. Number three. So Scott. Honor Majesty's Secret Service is your number three. Goldfinger mm-hmm. is Cam's number three. Uh, Goldeneye, is that right, Neil? Is your number three? Yep. Okay, number two. Uh, my number three is Casino Royale. Which is uh, number two. Which is your number two. My um, number one. Okay. Number one. Oh, right, okay. Oh. So, I mean, what's to, what's to be said about about this? It's sort of, uh, for me, it's, it was uh, the start of the new chapter for bond and i think like um like you said cam it's like they had to look at it in a different way um but well, i, I mean, think right, i was right gonna say start, right, right from the start was, it was a great movie yeah what you said just now is perfect what it was it was um bond needed to catch up we'd had the likes of true lies we'd had the likes of born and things like that where things were looking a bit more gritty and realistic and it was where james bond sort of caught up with realism if you see what i mean to a certain extent and it was refreshing. It really was refreshing. You also yeah. had Batman Begins in 2005. And mm. a lot of the discussion about this movie when it was going through production was that it's kind of being referred to as Bond, uh, Bond Begins. Mm. Like there was very much in the air. It has a bit of a Christopher Nolan vibe as well. And just unbelievably confident. And I remember I wasn't thrilled. Like I <laughs> was someone who had really adored Brosnan in the role. I felt very committed to him as, you know, continuing on to play Bond and um, Die Another Day. It, well, it sucks, but um, it was massively successful. Like its box office was the highest of any movie that Brosnan had made. So in my mind, I was looking forward to, well, you know, that's the way it goes with Bond actors. You make a dud, but then you follow up with another one and hopefully it's really great. And I remember feeling kind of a little bit wounded when he was a little bit unceremoniously cut loose from the role. They hired Daniel Craig, a guy I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. And he certainly doesn't look like Bond to me. And yet the movie just delivers in a way that I don't know that any Bond movie has ever delivered as just explosively out of the gate the way Casino Royale did, where it instantly turned everyone around. And people who were maybe casual Bond watchers got hugely invested in the ongoing adventures of this new take on the character like it does everything you need it to do perfectly even while casting aside so many of the tropes that at this point had become cliches like it still feels incredibly bondian despite the fact it's doing things very differently mm. Mm. when you talk about genre films and we talk about spy films on spy house all the time so we talk about a genre sometimes it's hard to find the films that transcend and casino royale is easily one of the ones that transcend that genre to from a good spy film to just a good film, whatever genre you're talking about. And you, know, you say like Star Trek, for instance, I always think Wrath of Khan transcends the Star Trek films to be another level. And I'm not saying those two compare necessarily, but Casino Royale is one of those films that you could sit any person down that likes films and go watch this and they'll probably enjoy it. They don't have to like Bond at all. They can pick it up and they can run with it. Run through mm. a wall. And yeah. it has like a human drama to it with the entire relationship with him and Vesper that, you know, Eva Green's character that it connected people to that story, you know, in a, like in an emotional way that bond wasn't known for, 
really working emotionally. People didn't walk out of Die Another Day <laughs> wrapped up in the story of Bond and Jinx, for example. And even, you know, being a little flippant there, like there are obviously some, the Natalia Bond relationship in, um, you know, in Goldeneye is very successful. But I don't know that people walked out as emotionally involved as they were with Casino Royale. And it, it really did bring a lot of new people to the Bond table who became really obsessed with the franchise. Like you look at the grosses on the Craigs, they just build and build and build where people were just in love with Bond. And as a Bond fan, that's a good thing because I always am like, please God, let these movies continue on. I want to be watching Bond movies when I'm 80 and 90 years old. So I don't want to have the one that's going to just, you know, kill the franchise. Mm. well i think that was the thing with me is i was sort of done with the pierce brosnan bond movies i just sort of i lost all interest and i can remember watching the trailer for casino royale and i thought this looks different this doesn't look like the pierce brosnan bonds this looks like it's it's dark and gritty and and well like batman begins like you say it was that sort of take on it that kind of mood they were going for um yeah, so, okay, so we've got two of your number ones. That's good. Neil's number two, so that was my number three. Scott's number two was uh, From Russia With Love. Cam's was uh, On A Majesty's Secret Service. For Neil, it was Casino Royale. So before we actually do go into our last two number ones, uh, Scott, do you want to give us your rundown for 10 to 2? Sure thing. So running down from 10 to 2, we have 10, For Your Eyes Only, 9, Tomorrow Never Dies, 8, Doctor No, 7, License to Kill, 6, Sky Fall, 5, Golden Eye, 4, Gold Finger, 3, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and 2, From Russia With Love. Thank you. And Cam, can we have your 10 yeah. to 2? Number 10, Octopussy. Number 9, Skyfall. Number 8, Thunderball. Number 007, From Russia With Love. Nice. Number six, <laughs> Dr. No. Number five, The Spy Who Loved Me. Number four, Goldeneye. Number three, Goldfinger. And number two, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And Neil? So number 10, License to Kill. Number nine, The World Is Not Enough. Number eight, The Man with the Golden Gun. Seven, Skyfall. Six, Goldfinger. Five, Thunderball. Four, Spy Who Loved Me. Three, Goldeneye. And number two, Casino Royale. Thank you. Uh, mine is number 10, Dr. No. Uh, number nine, Goldfinger. Eight, The Spy You Love Me. Seven, Skyfall. Six, License to Kill. Five, Moonraker. Four, On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Three, Casino Royale. And my number two was Man with the Golden Gun. Uh, so Scott and Cam, we've got your number one as Casino Royale. Neil, what's your number one? I have a feeling we've got the same favourite Bond movie here. Do you reckon? It's <laughs> living. That's the age thing. That's it's the gotta age be, thing. Yeah, live and it, let die. Yeah. I still love this movie to this day. It's um, It's got everything for me. And actually, when I was younger, it used to frighten the bejesus out of me with um, <laughs> Baron, what's his name? And yeah, um, but it's got everything. It's got your sharks. It's got your tanks. It's almost got your laser firing sharks in it. Um, it's got the great weapons. It's got... Um, great stunts i mean watching some of the makings of back on youtube that i'd seen years ago you know the fact that that guy really did that alligator run is just crazy isn't mm. it when you think about it um and it's got one of the best deaths of a villain i think going with the um expanding bullet and <laughs> i absolutely think that's funny yet terrifying at the same time yeah and for me it's got the best bomb theme ever yeah, as well. I, I yeah absolutely mm-hmm 
And um, well, it's got Jane Seymour as well. I think, mm-hmm. yeah. That can't know. hurt. That can't hurt. Can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the whole voodoo situation throughout it was, well, I used to find it quite creepy. Now I find it quite fascinating. And yeah, it works so well. So well. Yeah. I, go on, guys. Have you got something to say about There's this. There's few Bond films, or I say Bond actors, who hit that ground running more than Roger Moore in Live and Let Die. Now, it's not on my top 10 list, but I'm just not a Roger Moore guy, but I can acknowledge that Live and Let Die is a great starting film. It's not Casino mm. Royale for me, but I I mean, from the song to just some of the scenes that's so memorable about that film, it's, it's an easy watch for me, certainly. Yeah, I mean, it's one that I definitely flirted with putting on my top 10. You know what holds it back? the 27 minute boat chase (laughs) (laughs) where I'm watching Roger Moore's stunt double for 27 minutes as he disappears from the movie and also uh, Sheriff J.W. Pepper takes over the movie. But again, like I I do enjoy the, you know, the boat chase is kind of funny, but it's a movie that I think is really interesting where, you know, as Scott said, like Roger Moore nails it right out of the gate, but they were also so like not confident with him, you know, in his first movie, like they're giving him cigars um, he's not doing a lot of the classic Bond lines. They're dressing him differently because they were like, well, maybe we should make it more American question mark. You know, they were looking at casting an American Bond for that movie. And yet, despite all these sort of limitations, you know, the things they would um, introduce back to the character, particularly in The Spy Who Loved Me, he still walks out of it feeling exactly like Bond. He's holding a revolver like Dirty Harry, but I'm still like, this is James Bond. I buy it. And he is so slick. He's um, Roger Moore was 45, I think, when he did that one. But he he's a young looking 45. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you look at Connery, who's like 40 in Diamonds Are Forever. And it's like, how, what is going on here? This is like <laughs> yeah. a, t- a time paradox. But no, I, Live and Let Die is a ton of fun for sure. It is. It is. Now, we've got a load of honorable mentions. Um, I will uh, give everybody a shout out, but we won't go through every single uh, top 10 although we're going to have a little bit of a quiz with uh, with one of these because uh, see who's the quickest off the mark but first of all Rob James says live and let die Sheriff J.W. Pepper cracks me up uh, Claire Godwin said Casino Royale Daniel Craig he brought Bond to another level uh, Amanda Facer says don't watch it so I'm out so thanks for that Amanda that's very <laughs> very kind of you uh, Robert <laughs> Etherington says Skyfall takes Bond to another level Crocodile he says Crocodile Farm I think it's Alligator Farm it was alligators, in yeah. Live and Let Ooh. Die brilliant but would never happen I mean it's Bond sure I mean, a lot <laughs> it of did stuff. happen though didn't it that stunt did happen yeah. Stunt, yeah. yeah yeah so uh, gold, they did it for gold, real Goldfinger do you expect me to talk no Mr Bond I expect you to die Bryony Robinson said a view to a kill Grace Jones is just brilliant that's another one. I was always scared shitless of Grace Jones as well. It's just, <laughs> just something about her. You know, Roger Moore and Sean Connery are the best Bonds, in my opinion. Uh, Peter Wixie said, Dr. No, Goldfinger, Russia with Love, Majesty's Secret Service, Quantum of Solace. Right. See who can get these quickly then. Stu- uh, on Twitter, at Stuart RJ said, number one, TMWTGG. Man with a golden gun. Oh, I think I'd give you all a point there. Uh, number two, LTK. License, to, License kill. to kill. Oh, that was Scott. Just, just yeah. Scott. Uh, number three, Y O L T. You only you did it twice. Twice. Uh, was, <laughs> oh, I'll give you, Neil and Cam half a point there. Uh, number eight, Q O S. All together again. Number nine, twice. Is that on someone's top list? Hang on. No, no, that was number eight. That was number eight in his in his list. 
Okay. Well, okay. So to, yeah. be, to be fair, Scott, we had a guest on that episode that hasn't come out yet. Who that is like their all time favorite Connery Bond movie, I believe. So, you know, it was close too. Okay. Uh, number nine, Twine, T W I N E. Oh, the world is not enough. Well done, Cam. Uh, and number 10, TLD. The Living uh, Daylights. Well yeah. done, Scott. Oh, I'd say the, the yeah, the, the, the spy. Uh, guys won that one there neil you let, us, yeah. you let us down mate you let us down i'm sorry well i thought um, we better give other people a chance so at nair nair aiden uh said at the moment roughly i think this is the thing as well isn't it it's like if, if we spoke to you guys next month your top 10 would probably be if not completely different would have a few different ones in there yeah i tend to find that's the case with bond fans in general people that are really into bond their lists constantly change. And even if you ask, you know, you line up 10 Bond fans and ask them their top three, they all differ, which right. is one of the things I find the most enjoyable about the franchise. Scott referenced earlier, Star Trek 2. You line up a bunch of Star Trek fans and ask them what the best Star Trek movies are, they're going to give you all the same list. Yeah. So I actually think that's one of the greatest things about Bond is it can so much depend on your mood. Mm -hmm. I may not necessarily be in the mood to sit down and watch Casino Royale, but maybe I want to watch Moonraker because I want to watch Bond fly through space. You know, <laughs> it just so much depends on where you are in life. When I was 13 years old, it would have been all of the more action heavy ones in the top 10, you know, mm -hmm. so it does change. Yeah. So uh, now I think you're absolutely right. Cause I think all of these ones that have given us the full top 10, all of their like top threes are pretty much different. So uh, Nan Aiden says at the moment, roughly his top three is Thunderball, Russia with Love and Our Majesty's Secret Service. Um, at Shay Lay, number one, Goldeneye from Russia with Love and License to Kill. Uh, at How Indeed, number one, Living Daylights, Octopussy and For Your Eyes Only. Uh, Nathan Flynn, Casino Royale from Russia with Love on Our Majesty's Secret Service. At Bobblehead KB, Casino Royale, No Time to Die, Skyfall. Uh, at Craig Arthur NZ, uh, one Goldfinger, Russia with Love and Spy Who Love Me. Uh, at J6 Nasty, The World Is Not Enough, Goldeneye and Live and Let Die. So a Brosnan fan there, definitely. Uh, at 007 Vintage, Goldeneye number one from Russia with Love and Tomorrow Never Dies. I think Goldeneye is the film that I definitely need to see again because it's from what you guys have said and from the, the, the top tens that people have sent in. That seems to be the highest one in all of the top tens that I just I'm, I'm I'm not sure about. So I think that's the one. Would you would you if you said to me you need to go now and see a Bond movie? Is that the one that you'd say I should go and see? Out of all of them, I mean, I, it's not my top pick. I would go Casino Royale, but I, if, if it's one because that wasn't on your top list at all, I yeah, would yeah, say, and I would say reapprise it. I think it's definitely yeah. worth a watch again. Right. Okay. Um, at listening to film said Casino Royale on a Majesty's Secret Service and License to Kill. At Mr. Burns NYY was Goldeneye. Tomorrow Never Dies and the World is Not Enough. So the full um, <laughs> top three are all uh, there. Uh, unconventional, yes, she said, uh, he said, but so fun. Uh, at Alone in the Front, A Living Daylights from Russia with Love and Casino Royale. Uh, at Tongsin underscore M, Casino Royale from Russia with Love on a Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, at Sandgroper81 says, as at 10.30pm on Wednesday the 27th of October 2021, so it might be changed by now, from Russia with Love, on a Majesty's Secret Service and License to Kill. Uh, at A Pizzle 90 Goldfinger, Goldeneye, Spy or Love Me. And at Take Two Podcast is Casino Royale, Goldfinger and Skyfall. 
So thank you very much, everybody, for sending mm. those in. Um, the big question, then, I want you all to give me the, your answers for this. Who is your favorite Bond? Yeah. And we'll start. We'll start with Scott. I, I feel like I need to sort of weasel my way out of answer, answering the question. I will not accept that. You have okay. to answer the question. <laughs> well, okay. Can I drill down into what you want from an answer at least? Okay. Because there's objectively who is the best Bond or who is my favorite Bond because they're two different questions. Okay. I'll give you who is your favorite Bond. Yeah, we'll put it that way. That's a, that's um, my, my favorite Bond is Pierce Brosnan. It's okay. just he was the first one for me. I was brought into the game with Goldeneye the game and then the film. And so I, the films I saw first were his films. And then I sort of caught, uh, I'm from England. So I've seen some of the Moors and Conneries on day on bank holidays from time to time. Yeah. But they were just a bit weird for me. I really preferred my sort of more recent films. So Pierce Brosnan was the guy. Okay, Cam? Yeah, um, I'll say like, I think the best is Connery, but my favorite is Roger Moore. And for me, it's just, the Roger Moore films are so inviting and it's because of him, the way he just sort of navigates the world of Bond is so much fun, but it's also like he's almost inviting the viewer to have fun along with him. Mm. Like Connery doesn't seem to care as much. <laughs> he's just like, hey, I'm barreling through this. Uh, even Connery himself, I don't know if he wanted to be there, period. Whereas like Roger Moore is like, guys, isn't this fun? Like I'm having a great time here and I have fun with him. So even his like movies that are lesser, like I don't think View to a Kill for example, is one of the all-time great Bond films, obviously, but he's constantly just kind of like nudging you, like, come on, guys, like, this is fun. Let's let's enjoy this. So mm. I always, you know, if I'm just look, wanting to throw in a Bond movie to have fun, it's going to be a Roger Moore film. Okay, Neil? David Niven. No, no, I just... <laughs> um, um, no, it's, it's Roger Moore. It's generational. It's, it's a bit like you both said, you know. It's the one you grew up with, and it's the one I remember the most, um, even after Daniel Craig. And you look back with such rose-tinted glasses on probably all the films when, in hindsight, when I remember watching, uh, sorry, <laughs> for your eyes only, finding it very boring recently. <laughs> but, you know, it's each their own. But, yeah, definitely more. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, it, it gets certain movies where it's almost like he's going to, look to the camera and just wink and mm. say, yeah, you, you got it, guys, you know, um, or just raise the eyebrow, which is obviously what he was famous for. Um, right, that's our top 10 Bond movies. Um, what have you got coming up on your podcast that you can tell us about then, guys? Well, I actually have a quick question for you guys, not okay. to put you all on the spot, but if someone just asks you, what's the worst Bond movie, do you have an answer? Ooh. Um, I might at the moment say Spectre. Mm -hmm. I really didn't enjoy that. I absolutely got bored in the cinema watching that. Um, I struggled. So I need to reappraise it. I've only seen it once, but that might come to mind. Mm. I think Quantum of Solace was one that I genuinely felt bored watching it. Mm. And I think I've only ever watched that once. Um, yeah. And I think, is that the one that had the song, but with uh, Jack White? That's it. Yeah. Uh, and terrible Keys. So terrible yeah. song. It's, it's the shortest Bond film and yet feels the longest. Yes, I would absolutely mm. agree with that. And if, if yeah. you, I mean, I can't remember pretty much anything about the movie. That's the thing. And, that, and that's bad for even a, even if a movie is really bad, there's something you can remember about it. I just cannot remember anything about it. 
those are two really common picks that people tend to choose. Like th- those ones were definitely polarizing with people. And I think it's interesting in the case of quantum, uh, when you go to the end of Spectre, where they're revealing how all these things were tied together, all these villains were all related to Blofeld, they do not have any sort of visual reference to Quantum of Solace. The villain from Quantum is completely ignored, which tells you how they even feel about that movie. Right. Um, and Scott, what about you for worst? It might be recency bias because I, we covered it on the podcast a few months back, but Die Another Day is just abysmal. I really can't run to its defense. Quantum of Solace, I feel like it was trying to do something, whereas Die Another Day was just trying to annoy me. <laughs> yeah, that tends to be my pick of the officials is Die Another Day. It's just obnoxious. And in the worst, like a lot of movies of the early 2000s have just aged the worst. Yeah, And it's all wall-to-wall, terrible 2000 era CG. Mm. And it's not charming. It's not fun. And the movie's quite long and it feels like it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I've only ever seen that one once, and I yeah got no rush to go and watch it again. No. Although, again, like we've done with a lot of these podcasts, where we start thinking of things that we haven't thought of for a long time. There's a lot of movies on here. I definitely need to give Sean Connery movies a bit more of a see. And I think, as much as like you say, the 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 NAF 2000 CG, I think I need to give Pierce Brosnan just a bit more of a chance. I think I just need to. Definitely Goldeneye, I think. Uh, but like I said, uh, what what have you got coming up on your podcast, guys? Well, we've got a bit of a, a bit of a smorgasbord coming up. Uh, we have a bond in our very immediate future. In a couple of weeks, we will be tackling the second to last Sean Connery film. So you only live twice, uh, which might give you an indication of the next Bond film after that, if you understand the order. Uh, but also we've got uh, the Warren Beatty film Parallax View coming up, which is a, a bit of a critics uh, dying there. And we have Triple X. We we're, we're entering the Xander zone very oh, soon. Yeah. Wow. Vin Diesel, it's all about family. Yes. And do you want to uh, tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and all that jazz? Sure thing. Well, I mean, for spies, we're exceedingly easy to find. So <laughs> very good. <laughs> you basically just search for spy hards. That's S P Y H A R D S on anything, and we're basically there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Apparently, we're on TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> 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 and I take it the podcast is on wherever you can get your podcasts. Any yep. app, anything. Search for us on Amazon. We'll probably turn up. I don't know. Okay. Well, we will put. <laughs> put the links to your social medias and website you got a website yeah we do www.spyhards.com that uh, that sends you through but i mean yeah any podcast app just search for spyhards we're, we're everywhere okay we'll put all the information in the show notes uh neil do you want to give uh, all of our information out? Uh, of course time? I can. So you can find us on all the social media at Top10Pods. You can email us at Top10Pods at Hotmail.com. And also, please do come and help support the podcast at Patreon.com uh, forward slash Top10Pods, where we have all sorts of rewards, such as uh, episodes super early, and you can be a guest on one of our episodes. Please do check out all the links via the link tree. You can find the link in the show notes. And please come and subscribe and leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or subscribe and follow on Spotify, Stitcher or wherever the hell you get your podcast from. Please do come along. Wonderful. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, guys. Um, I'm so glad you were here because if it had just been me and Neil, I'd have got every single movie wrong. I wouldn't, wouldn't <laughs> know what the hell I was talking about. Uh, Cam, Scott, thank you so much. Awesome to oh. see you guys. No, pleased to be of service. This was a great time. Thank you for having us. Awesome. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, Pav. 
Thank you, everybody, for listening. And let's get started with the countdown. Mish Money Penny. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.